0: How are we doing Hope City Church? You doing good? You look good today. Thanks for coming to church. My name is Jason. I'm the pastor here. And uh, wherever you are a part of this service, everybody in Shepherdsville, here in the room in South Louisville, wherever you're at, however you're a part of this service, we're just glad you're here and that we get to to hang out for a little bit together. We are in the second week of this series called You Are Where You Are, and I'm going to talk about that uh, in just a second. But before I do that, I I do just want to echo... Um, what uh, Joe and Brents and the, the MCs at Shepherdsville were saying at the beginning of the service at, about growth groups. I'm in a growth group. Uh, I believe in them. And so many of you, you you started coming. You love this place. You love Sundays. We love Sundays. Um, and they're amazing, but growth groups is really where you grow. Uh, it's a great name for it. And uh, and so we would love for you to, to be a part of one of those. Make sure you check out the app. You, any phone device you have, just go to your app store, whatever you have. Search Hope City Church, Louisville, you can find all that information. But we're just passionate about figuring out how to get you connected with some people who can walk with you on this spiritual journey. Don't try to serve Jesus by yourself, right? And so we'd love for you to be a part of, uh, of one of those growth groups at all our locations, wherever you're at, we'd love for you to, uh, to do that, okay? Um, we are in this series called You Are Where You Are, and I explained this last week. Let me just give it one more shot in case you weren't here That This is a phrase that has been in my head for a while now. You are where you are. I'm going to try my best to explain it, but like honestly, it's one of those things that has been so personal for me, I just hope that somehow it can be articulated in a way that can become personal for you. And the idea behind it is that we somehow, could we somehow, maybe possibly be motivated by grace? Could we see other people through the lens of grace, that when we look at ourselves, instead of figuring out and identifying all the things that are wrong with us and trying to use those things to improve ourselves, could we see where we are and say to ourselves, well, I am where I am. When we see other people that we would love to judge or tear down, could we, instead of picking them apart and seeing what's wrong with them, could we look at them and say, well, they are where they are, that that. They are where they are, I am where I am, we are where we are, you are where you are, and God loves us right where we are. He died for the worst version of us. And so it doesn't mean that we should stay the worst version of us, but you need to know this morning, you do not have to change in order to be loved by God. You don't have to do better. We talked about that last week. You don't have to do better. And so we wanted to start this year With this idea of grace, this idea of grace, because everybody in the room is, uh, you know, probably trying to change something, trying to be better, something about your life you're wanting to, uh, to change. And so we wanted to start this year, instead of saying, hey, instead of getting out a magnifying glass and looking at your life and saying, change, 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 because bad, 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 what if we started the year by saying, yeah, there's some areas I could change, don't mind changing. But I I am where I am, and God loves me right where I am, and it's okay to be where I am because it's it's a work in progress, and God is working on me. Does that make sense to everybody? And so that's what we've been doing. That's what we're going to continue to do for this series. And last week, we just started with this idea that you don't have to do better. We talked about that. We just said that I don't have to improve to gain God's approval. Some of y'all need to just let that soak in a little bit. You don't have to improve to gain God's approval. And um, so this week, I want to talk about this idea that you can't change your past. You can't change your past. If we're going to talk about being where we are, and we are where we are, by the way, if we're going to talk about that, we have to talk about our past. And specifically, we have to talk about this idea that you can't change your past. Everybody in the room. I don't care if you're one of those people who's like, "No, I don't live with regret. I wouldn't change anything." You're lying, all right? Because everybody in the room, if you could go back and change something, you'd change something. You, you would change something. Maybe you would change some choices that you made, right? Maybe you would. Maybe you would go back and do something differently to not hurt the people that you hurt. Maybe you would go back and uh, and and and. Take advantage of an opportunity that you missed. Invest in a stock you didn't invest in, right? Uh, Ask a girl out that you didn't ask out. Say yes to being asked out when you said no. Something along those lines, you would do something differently. And spiritually speaking, I think all of us in the room could look back at our past and in some way say, man, I wish that I had not wasted those years or I wish that I had not gone down that path, or I wish that um, I wish that my family had raised me in church, or I wish that I had raised my kids in church. Spiritually speaking, we, we can all today, right now, like we could spend the whole sermon just coming up with things and ideas that we wish we could go back and change when it comes to our lives, our souls, our spiritual lives. But Romans 8.1 says it like this. Romans 8.1 says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So what we do is we look at our past and we condemn ourselves. It was so stupid. I can't believe I did that. The Bible says there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And that's true. That verse is 100% true, but we still feel condemned. If we're being honest with ourselves this morning, we still feel condemned. When we think about those things that we did or did not do, we still feel this guilt in our heart. We feel this condemnation in our heart. But the Bible says there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? How do we how do we balance this idea? What the, what the verse means is that when it comes to God, which is most important, that we are not held responsible for our sins after we commit our life to Jesus. That's what the verse means. That when you stand before God, God's not going to bring up your record of sins and your wrongs, and he's not going to hold them against you. Right, because Jesus took the penalty for you. But that doesn't mean that people on earth are not going to hold some of the things that you did in your past against you. Unfortunately, we don't get to quote Romans 8.1 to people who are trying to uh, bring up our mistakes in our past, right? IRS calls and says, hey, by the way, you haven't paid taxes in five years. You don't get to say, thanks for the update, but just so you know, there is no condemnation. For those in Christ Jesus. So I'm not going to pay those, just so you know. You don't get to do that, right? The parole officer says, Hey, you've missed your last three meetings. Like, hey, thanks for the update. But just so you know, have you read Romans 8 1? There is no condemnation for parolees in Christ Jesus, right? We could joke about some of these, but what about children that won't talk to you, spouses that you've hurt, friends that you have betrayed? You, you, you know, you're trying your best to try to rebuild a relationship and you want. With everything inside of you, you want to be like, hey, come on, forgive me. God's forgiven me. Come on. Let's put this away. Let's put this behind us. Let's make this right. Let's patch this up. But you cannot tell somebody that you've hurt that they have to forgive you. You tried that? It doesn't work, by the way. Just heads up. If someone's mad at you and you say, yeah, but you need to get over it, that don't work, by the way. Well, you just need to forgive me because God's forgiven me. Heads up, sir. That won't work with her. Okay, just a heads up for you right there. So, so we all deal with this pa- our past and this condemnation. How amazing would it be if we got to start over and just get rid of our, our reputation? Anybody in the room would be honest enough, you'd raise your hand and you'd say, man, I would love for the people that are in my life who have known me for a while to stop holding who I used to be against me. Anybody, you wanna hold that up right there? A Couple hands and a leg right there. Yes, hello. Every time I go home for the holidays, they bring up 14-year-old Jason, and I'm like, can we let it go? Can, I don't even want to, like, can we not bring up sophomore year of high school Jason? Anybody, you understand what I'm talking about this morning. You know, like the nickname, can we let it go? Anybody, can we do that? It's so easy to be reminded of our mistakes. It's easy to be reminded of our sins, the people that we hurt. We want to move ahead into a new life that God has for us, but we drag this past around with us. So I'm up here saying grace, 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 grace. You are where you are. Hey, don't beat yourself up. You are where you are. God loves you right where you are. And you're like, thank you, but I'm struggling to love me right where I am because I can't let go of my past. I can't let go of what I did. Well, today we're going to read Psalm 107. I love Psalm 107. I can't claim every Psalm as my favorite Psalm, but Psalm 107 is in the greatest hits collection. I love Psalm 107 because Psalm 107 is about the grace of God. It is about the amazing grace of God, and what we're going to do when we get done with Psalm 107 today, what we're going to learn and what we're going to realize is is that our past is not something to feel guilty about, it's something to feel grateful for. Our past is not something to feel guilty about, it's something to feel grateful for, and even as I say that, some of you in the room are like, (laughs) you can't say that because you don't know my past. You don't know what I did. You don't know how I got that tattoo, heads up, by the way, like... There's no way I could be grateful for my past. Guilty, grateful instead of guilty, Jason, there's, there's no way. Well, when we get done with Psalm 107, Psalm 107 is going to show us why it's possible to look at our past, no matter how bad, dark, twisted, messed up it is, and be grateful for our past, okay? I read this story the other day about Thomas Edison that I thought was just the perfect setup to, to Psalm 107. Edison lost uh, a million dollars worth of property uh, on December tenth, nineteen fourteen, in this massive chemical fire. He, he burned a bunch of factories, burned down ten buildings, and uh, it was a, it was a big explosion. the The fire consumed records and and prototypes and all sorts of things that he had been working on. And according to a nineteen sixty one Reader's Digest article by Thomas Edison's son, Charles. While this fire is erupting and this fire is, is going crazy, um, Thomas Edison walks over to his son, Charles, and says, hey, go get your mom and your sisters. They're gonna wanna see this. They'll probably never see a fire this great ever again. And Charles, remembering the story and telling the story, was just blown away at his dad's perspective because his dad, Charles begins to fight back and say, dad, no, like, this is not something to joke about. His dad, Thomas Edison, says back to him, he says, son, it's all right. We just got rid of a lot of rubbish. This is the same Thomas Edison, by the way, who invented the light bulb. You probably know that. And he's, he's credited with inventing the light bulb. But it didn't come easy. Edison failed a 1,000 times, at least, inventing the light bulb. He was unsuccessful over a 1,000 times. And one day a reporter asked him, hey, um, How did it feel to fail a thousand times? And Edison replied, I didn't fail a thousand times. The light bulb was an invention with a thousand steps. And when I read that, I thought, wow, perfect. You are where you are. Our life is not our three biggest victories and our three greatest failures. Life is a thousand steps. A relationship with Jesus is a thousand steps. The sanctification process of our lives is a life of a thousand steps. And so that's what we're gonna talk about. The thousand steps that got us where we are and specifically how can we not feel guilty, ashamed or angry about our past, but instead grateful for our our past. So we're gonna read Psalm 107 together. If you have a a sermon guide, you can grab that. Uh, They are on your sermon guide. A lot of these scriptures, it's a longer Psalm and we're not gonna be able to read all the, the verses uh, together, but you can kind of follow along on that, on that sermon guide. This is a beautiful psalm about the grace of God, and, and what we're going to read in this psalm is about four different kinds of people, four different kinds of people who ran from God, and what we're going to find about these four different kinds of people is that all of us in the room, our, all of our stories are different in a lot of ways, but all of our stories are very similar in a lot of ways as well. The details are different, but the themes of the stories of our life are, are very similar. And we're going to see that in, uh, in this psalm together. Isaiah 53 6 says it like this, it kind of sets it up for us. And it says that all of us, everybody say all, all of us, that is you. That is your neighbor, your spouse, your child, your boss. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. That is our story, humanity. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all, that all of us have strayed away. No matter who you are, what you've done, how bad it was in your opinion, we all, everybody say all, need the grace of God just so you know this is something we're passionate about at Hope City Church. Your past is not held against you. You're not the worst thing you've ever done. We're all trying to follow Jesus and we all need the grace of God. We all need the grace of uh, of God. All right? So, let's jump in. Psalm 107, the very first verse is a great start. Here's what it says. It says, "Give thanks to the Lord for he is good." His love, his faithful love endures forever. Let's just stop for a second because this is a great start. If you want to start talking about your past and you start talking about the guilt that you feel about your past, a great place to start is with these two reminders that God is good and his love never goes away. That's a great start. Like No better place to start talking about our past than the idea that God is good and his love never goes away away. So if you want to write this down on your sermon guide, number one, God is is good. Now, what's interesting about the start of Psalm 107 is when you and I say God is good, we usually mean God is good because life is good. Oh, God is so good. I got me a new car. God is so good. I got me a new job. God is so good. I got me a new man. God is so good. I got me, you know, whatever it is, a new house. God is so good. When we say God is good, we usually mean life is good. But we're about to read here in just a second in Psalm 107, and that's not what David means. David is not saying God is good because life is good. As a matter of fact, and this is what I like about this psalm so much, is that David is going to say God is good because he let my life get so bad that I, that I realized I needed him. So I cried out to him. And that's different than I got a new Kia, right? That's different because we say God is good because life is good. David says, no, God is good because he let my life get so bad that I realize nothing works but Jesus. Which is so great, right? So so God is God is good. And now we're gonna read about these four different people. Verse 4, verse 10, verse 17, verse 23. Here we go. I'm just going to, we're going to kind of rapid fire, so just hang with me, all right? Here we go. Verse 4 is about to talk about these four kinds of people that represent you and me. Verse 4 says, some wandered in the wilderness, lost and homeless, hungry and thirsty. They nearly died. The first type of person that Psalm 107 tells us about is a lost person. Imagine a kid at a grocery store. He doesn't mean to get lost. He's not trying to get away, but his mom kept walking through the Little Debbie aisle. He stopped in the Little Debbie aisle because it's Little Debbie aisle, right? And he's staring at the oatmeal cream pies and he doesn't realize that mom has gone on. He's thinking about cream pies, right? That's, I don't know if that's what David meant, but let's just go with that, that David is saying that some of us in the room, our story about our past He said, we just got separated. We wandered away. I went to Disney World a couple of years ago with my brother and his family, and we lost a kid. If you're going to lose a kid, Disney World's a great place to lose a kid, by the way. But they found him, and we got him back. But the reason that he got lost was because he stopped at a kiosk, and we kept walking. That is what verse 4 is describing, that some of us in the room, we didn't mean to get lost, Maybe we, we, we never had a chance in church or Bible camp or Bible class. We didn't know necessarily the way to go. We, we were not rebellious. We weren't trying to be some awful person. We just never knew God, and we wandered away. That's what verse 4 is talking about. So that's the first kind of person. The first kind of person is a lost person. Let's look at verse 10. Some, four kinds of people, past. Here we go. Some, verse 10, "...sat in darkness and deepest gloom, imprisoned in iron chains of misery. They rebelled against the words of God, scorning the counsel of the Most High. That is why he broke them with hard labor, and they fell, and no one was there to help them up." Second type of person Psalm 107 gives us is people who are trapped. So the first one is people who are lost. They didn't mean to, they just got separated, right? But the second group in verse 10 are people who are trapped. They are chained to misery. Some of you in the room, this is your story. As we talk about our past, you would say, let me tell you what misery feels like. Maybe it was a substance that you got addicted to. Maybe it was bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart that you could not let go of and you were chained to it. Maybe it was something that was done to you and you never intended to be there, but because of what was done to you, you got chained to misery. And the Bible says in verse 10 that these people sat in darkness, imprisoned by chains of misery. This is someone, imagine someone walking in the woods or something and they get their foot stuck in a trap and there's no one around to help them, right? They, they, they bought into the lie, the myth that some substance or something. And so they got, they got, they got trapped and, and, and chained up. And some of you, when you think about your past, you filled with regret and guilt. I can't believe I got addicted to that. I can't believe I let them talk me into that. I, can't, I swore I would never be that person, but I became that person, right? You got trapped. Let's look at another one. So there are people who are lost, people who are trapped. We'll keep going. Verse 17. It says, some were fools. They rebelled and suffered for their sins. They couldn't stand the thought of food and they were knocking on death's door. Verse 17, third type of person is people who are foolish, rebellious people. Now, this is different than people who lost, who got lost and got separated. These are people who know the truth, they know better, they know all the Bible verses. They went to all the church camps. They went to the Bible class. Their parents were praying parents. Their grandparents were praying parents. They knew better, and they said, no, forget you. I'm doing my thing, right? They, they just decided, you know what? I don't care. I gotta go learn the hard way. I gotta figure it out. I'm gonna rebel, and I'm gonna go do my thing. And some of you in the room, this is your story. You're like, let me tell you about rebellion. Let me tell you about Let me tell you about going my own way and and, and how smart my parents got when I got older. Let me tell you about the dumb things that I did because I was so sure I knew everything. And look at what it says happened to them. It says they suffered for their sins. They suffered for their sins. Couldn't stand the thought of food knocking on death's door. This is just describing someone who makes choices out of rebellion that comes back to put consequences on their life, consequences on their body physically. And these are talking about those consequences that we face. So I know the truth, but I, I rebel and I, and I betray my family and now my kids won't talk to me. That is suffering for rebellion. Does that make sense to everybody? I, show, I went into work and, or I didn't go into work or I, I lied to my boss or I stole money and I lost my job and now I don't have a job. That is suffering for rebellion. Does that make sense to everybody? Devil didn't do it to you. You did it to yourself. God didn't do it to you. You did it to yourself. It is your story of your past that you would say, yeah, I know all about that. That's how a lot of our hope stories start, by the way. I grew up kind of, you know, whatever, but I, would, they at 14, they said, do you want to go? I said, no, all right? And so you went down your path. But there's one more. The first people are lost people. The second people are trapped people. The third people are foolish people. But let me give you one more. Verse 23, don't get depressed. It gets good in just a second. Okay, here we go. 23. It says, some went off to sea in ships plying the trade routes of the world. Okay, what does that mean? Because that's different than the other ones. First group's lost. Second group's trapped. Third group's foolish. The fourth group of people are self-reliant people, right? Look at what it says. Verse 23 Someone off, plying the trade routes of the world. They too observed the Lord's power and action, his impressive works on the deepest seas. He spoke, and the wind rose, stirring up the waves. Their ships were tossed to the heavens and plunged again to the depths. The sailors cringed in terror. They reeled and staggered like drunkards and were at their wits' end. This is describing self-repliant people, not necessarily lost, not necessarily trapped, not necessarily rebellious, but 100% dependent on themselves. I don't need God, I'll make enough money, I'll I'll have enough friends, I'll be successful enough, I'll have the title, I'll have the things. I, I don't, I can go conquer it. Some of you, when you got out of college, this is your story, you got out of college and you said, I'm going to take on the world. Maybe it's not necessarily like entrepreneurial success but maybe you're a parent and you say, you know what, I don't necessarily need God's help to raise my children because I'm gonna raise my children and I know exactly what I'm doing and I know what to give them and when to put them to bed and how to do everything and I don't need anybody's help because I know what I'm doing. You are, you are controlling everything. I'm gonna control my life. Well, what does it say happened to that person? It says that they were at their wits' end. Have you ever met somebody who was determined to control everything and they can't control anything and they're about to have a nervous breakdown? You ever met that person? Why isn't it happening exactly like I, I set up all the dominoes, why aren't they falling like I thought they were going to fall and they're at their wits end? This is the fourth group of people. And so Psalm 107 gives us four kinds of people who are separated from God. And remember, our stories are different, but they're also very much the same. The details of your story are different, but the, but the, the gist of the story, the overall story is the same, that All of us, Isaiah 53 says, were separated from God because we strayed away. We either got lost, we either got trapped, we either rebelled, or we decided we didn't need God. Every person in this room can fit into one of those four categories. Every single person can fit into one of those four categories. And I don't know if you were paying attention, but it did not go well for those four people. Right? Right? Hungry and thirsty, imprisoned, Don't even want the, can't even stand the sight of food, knocking on death's door, at their wits' end. And so Psalm 107 is painting this picture for us that if you have found Jesus, if you're in the room today and you have found Jesus, you can say, yeah, that's true. It doesn't work without God. Life doesn't work without God. There are little, you know, there are little, you know, windows. Spring break 97 was pretty great, but, you know, like, for the most part, it, it doesn't work. There's always a shelf life to life without Jesus. It, at some point, you go, what am I doing? What am I doing? Why am I so determined to be in control of everything and nothing's working? How long am I going to put this stuff up my nose? How long am I going to drink the junk in this bottle? How long am I going to rebel against all the truth that I know and continue to suffer? At some point, every person in the room comes to that place. And look at what happens. Every single person. I would encourage you to go read 107 today. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble. The people who wandered away because they were about to die. Some sat in darkness. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble. Some were fools, verse 19. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble. Some went off to sea, verse 23. Everything sank to the bottom, 28. Lord, help. They cried in trouble. If you want to write down number two, write this down. We're going deep today. You ready? I'm bad. I am bad. Number one, God is good. Number two, I'm bad. I'm bad. I can figure out a way to ruin every, anything and everything. I can figure out a way to make something good bad because of wrong motives. I can figure out a way to make something good for somebody else about me. I can ruin anything because I am a sinful person. I, I, I am not bad because I do bad. I do bad because I am bad. Is everybody following what I'm saying this morning? Psalm seven is painting this picture for us that every person who has ever lived, breathed, every person in humanity. At some point, some of us, like, you're like, I, dude, let me be honest with you. I hit all four stories right there. I mean, I have... I've taken a beating, right? I was lost, I rebelled, I got addicted, I was in control. I mean, you tried it all. But at some point, every human being who is ever born will get this idea that life would be better without Jesus. Life would be better without God. Something is better than Jesus, and it doesn't work. Some people realize it in a week. Some people realize it in a year, a decade. Some people realize it after their third divorce. Some people realize it after they lose everything. Some people realize it before they lose everything. But we realize that the more things we touch, the more things we break. Is everybody understanding what I'm saying? This is the message of Psalm 107. So you're like, okay, Jason, you've depressed me. What's the point, okay? I thought I was gonna feel grateful. I feel guilty, You are bringing up all of my past. You're making me think of all the people I hurt. You're making what do you what do you what do you mean? Where do we go with this? Well, the very last verse of Psalm 107 is, uh, I mean, it is a beautiful verse that allows us to not look at our past and feel guilt, but it allows us to look at our past and feel grateful. And I want to read it to you. Verse 43. It's on your your sermon guide. David listing after four groups of people who have been separated from God. David says in verse 43, those who are wise will take this to heart, what he's about to tell us, okay? So if you want to be wise, if you are wise, what he's about to say, you will take to heart. You'll remind yourself of this. You will put it in front of you. You'll constantly tell yourself this. What is it? They will see in our history the faithful love of the Lord. Now, watch this. This is so great. David's the man. David starts out by saying, God is good. And for everybody in the room who's in a good place is like, yes, he is, right? Everybody else is like, I don't know, okay? But David is not saying God is good because life is good. David says, no, let me show you how good God is. There was this time when I got lost and he let me get so lost that I finally came to my senses and I cried out to him. There was this time when I was trapped because I kept buying into these lies and God let me get so miserable that I cried out to him. There was this time, this season in my life when I was so rebellious and if if anybody that, Loved me, gave me advice. I thought they were stupid, and I, I turned my back on everything that I knew to be true, and God let me get so broken that I cried out to him when I decided to go after everything in life and after the world and control everything and be, be 100% in charge of everything. And God... God allowed everything that I had worked so hard for to sink to the bottom of the sea. That's how good he is. So that I would reach my wits end and I would cry out to him, God is good. And if you're wise, David says, you'll take it to heart. Look back on your history, your past, and notice and see and identify Faithful love of God. Write it down. Verse number three. Write it down, number three. God uses my bad to do something good. God uses my bad to do something good. Romans 8, 28 says it like this. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. We say this all the time around here. God doesn't cause everything, but God causes everything to work together for good. Let me tell you what I'm not saying today. I'm not saying you need to be grateful for the people you hurt. Of course not. I'm not saying you need to be grateful for the relationships that were broken. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that every time you begin to think about your past, every time the devil begins to bring up all the stupid, dumb, perverted, ridiculous things that you ever did, in that moment, you have an opportunity to either kind of throw a pity party or to feel shame and regret about everything that you ever did, even though, by the way, God doesn't hold any of it against you. Or when the devil begins to remind you of all the stupid, perverted, illegal, ridiculous things you did in that moment. Instead of guilt, you can say, how good is God? (laughs) Do, Do you know what I did? And God let it get so bad. Let me tell you how good he is. He let it get so bad that I finally realized I can't do it without God. Let me tell you about that time I spent the three months in jail. Worst time of my life, best thing that ever happened to me. God is so good, he let me go to jail. God is so good, he let me have that heart attack. God is so good that when I broke my family apart, somehow in some way, not only did he use it to bring me back to him, but in some way in this supernatural thing that God does that I don't even know, he is going to use that for good. Not some fortune cookie, Romans 8, 28, that God puts all the ingredients in a pan and he does it and he he does something beautiful. Does something beautiful. So I don't have to feel guilty about my past. I am where I am. You are where you are. Man, wish we could change some things, but listen to me, can't change them. You can't change the past. You can't do it. But you don't have to. Because God will use your past, as dark and messed up and twisted as it is, to be a constant reminder for you of his faithful love that if anybody should have been disqualified me you but his faithful love brought us back it brought us back so that's my prayer for you today is that you would flip the switch from guilt to gratitude every moment Every, every time, every, 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 every moment when the, the thoughts begin to go to, you're an idiot, how could you do that? No one will ever respect you if they ever knew. Every time, just tell the devil, like, you don't even know the half of it, bro. And, 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 and flip the switch to, and God loved me. Thank you for my past, God, because I didn't fail if it helped me find Jesus. Let's pray.